We're not talking about privileged roles like global administrator. You just found the only podcast hosted by Model Technology Solutions where we discuss Office 365, Microsoft 365, and cybersecurity. Now on to today's show, User and Identity Access Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Modcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jason Rutherford, the managing partner of Model Technology Solutions. With me is Mike Brimberry. Mike, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Jason. My name is Mike Brimberry, the director of cybersecurity here at Model Technology Solutions. So today we're going to head down a path for the next couple of podcasts where we're going to discuss a lot of cybersecurity related items. And the first topic that we wanted to discuss today was around Azure Identity and Access Management. Uh, Mike, what does that even mean? Well, to me, it's making sure that the the right people have the right authorization to access your company resources and data and applications. For some reason, that topic feels uh, bigger than that. But when you really boil it down, it really is just exactly what you said. And if we were to kind of dig down and talk about some of those features, um, we're going to talk about it from an Azure identity and access management, right? So we're not going to go on-prem or some of the other solutions that might exist. But from the Azure identity perspective, you know, let's let's discuss some of those features and capabilities that exist today. And so the first one that comes to mind is user and group management. With Azure, um, if we could take a step back to, I want to add in that when we talk about identity, we're talking about more than just your username and password. That's good we're point. also talking about your your device, right? Uh, BYOD devices, corporate-owned devices, service accounts. It, it does mean a lot more than just the user account, like username and password, right? And but if we were to boil it down to those features, let's go. Let's dive into that user and group management piece in, in Azure, right? It's different than a traditional on-prem user and group management. And how would you say that it differs? That's a great question. The first one I can think of is leveraging Azure Active Directory. We have access to a lot more attributes than what you would typically have in on-premises AD. And some of those features of leveraging those attributes with dynamic groups. So we can pull a department name. So if you're in a certain department, you automatically get put into XYZ groups based off of your department. And just one example, and there's many more. Uh, they also have, um, if you're a member of a group or multiple groups, you can have that populate other groups for automated, access to either data, SharePoint sites, teams, applications. It really just opens up some of the features that we never had with on-prem Active Directory. Isn't it crazy that something that feels so simple as a dynamic group based on attributes was, it felt just unattainable when you're on-premise only, and now it is almost second nature when it's in the cloud. Um, what about things like role-based access? So for role-based access, <clears throat> I want to differentiate. We're not talking about privileged roles like global oh, administrator. Yeah. We're talking about uh, I'm in the finance department and within the finance department, I need access to 
SharePoint and the finance team or the finance applications, using those roles, leveraging dynamic groups. If we onboard a new user and we use that scenario we had before is once you're onboarded, you have a, an account created, you get your credentials. And because you're a member of the finance department, we don't have to go drop you in a bunch of other groups like we would traditionally do on-prem. Once you're there, we use those attributes in dynamic groups, and now you automatically have access to your finance team site or SharePoint or finance application or whatever other SaaS apps that we can tie into. Yeah, you're speaking my love language here, man, automation and consistency because really that's going to be the outcome of that right so having those consistent definitions and then enforcing it through dynamic groups for that role-based access and again not like global administrator but more like hey i'm a finance user that's that's that kind of role right what about some of the more i'm going to call them cybersecurity focused elements inside of identity and access management and we'll use things like uh, conditional access for example security there's so many things that we could talk about with cybersecurity with conditional access, a uh, simple one right off the bat. Uh, if you're coming in from your home device, we can enforce a challenge for a MFA uh, prompt. We can look at using a cloud access security broker or the cloud app portal to enforce unsanctioned apps. You know, there there's so many. One of which that I I do like is uh, traditionally, if I came in, I was hired in the finance department and I moved to marketing. And we leverage those dynamic groups. I know I'm keep going back to that. However, if a change control is put in, I got moved to marketing from finance. Uh, the help desk technician doesn't really need to do anything extra other than changing my department. And now all those permissions that were tied to that department would be removed upon moving my, me to the marketing department. Because it's all based on that attribute. Yes. Right. I know I keep coming back to that, but it's that permission creeps also ties back to cybersecurity because, yeah. you know, traditionally you would get hired in finance, you'd move to marketing or HR, whatever department, those uh, permissions were never taken away. So now when a threat actor is targeting you, they want to find someone that has those rich, long permissions that are all over the place so they can really spread out. So locking that down has a very impactful uh, security component to it. Yeah, it sounds really beneficial to the organization. And whether it's a, oh, that's okay that Janus still has permissions to finance now that Janus is in marketing. But realistically, you just kind of told me that from a threat landscape perspective, it's not okay, right? It, it widens the attack vector or attack surface, right? I guess it would be the surface, the attack surface that somebody has if Janus is compromised. And so, yeah. and really what we're trying to do is limit every user's attack surface. The attack surface, thinking about that in the context of this user, if they have access to finance data yeah. and marketing data, if that account was compromised, they do have a wider attack surface because they're going to have more permissions. 
and kind of circling back to what you were talking about with the whole identity and access management system and identity protection and conditional access, Azure has the identity protection component to it, right? So they're ingesting billions or even trillions of signals every day. So they're going to know your account. What is normal for your account? Usually either work from home, you work in the office, do you travel a lot? Are there any unusual travel patterns or behaviors that pop up? And if those pop up, it's going to elevate your user risk score or measure and leveraging conditional access saying, well, now Jason is logged in from Chicago and now he logged in from London within a two hour time span. That's unusual or impossible travel. It's going to heighten your user risk score. Leveraging conditional access policies and say now if Jason has this or any group of users have these. Um, uh, signals coming in. We can prompt MFA or learn that they have a compromised user. And if we believe that that happens, we can totally block access. If you hit a certain risk level or have MFA or take some additional precautions to ensure you are who you say you are. Yeah, that, try doing that with on-premise AD, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or would you even have logs or <laughs> yeah. uh, any kind of audit data? Would you, yeah. Yeah, how would you even find that out? Yeah, unless you had like a, a really robust seam system yeah. that's aggregating and looking for those anomalies where it's automatically surfaced right up in report blades in the Azure portal. Yeah, and coming back to our first bullet point here, our user and group is a feature of this, this infrastructure. On the service, you're like, yeah, it's that easy, user you know, identity and access management. But the scenario you just took us through was a fully automated role-based, you know, cybersecurity protection infrastructure that is also the same identity and access management infrastructure that we're talking about here. So it goes from the simplest of the simple to a very complex, robust cybersecurity um, infrastructure, right? There's a couple more I wanted to touch on. So like SSO, as an example, is a great feature inside of Azure Identity and Access Management. I know that I've used it at some of our customers. To be able to stop the sprawl of like licensing as an example. So we provision a user, they get added to a group. The SSO is configured to say, go provision a Zoom license so that when that user leaves, it also deprovisions that account from that third party. So having that SSO will save money as well as not leave identities out in obscure places that you forget about, right? Because we're super busy as admins. What about PIM? PIM is foundational, I feel. And right. what I mean by that is traditionally you would be, uh, you would have an account or a, an identity that would be a domain admin or a exchange admin, what have you. In Azure, you have those roles that allow permissions to uh, ha have those uh, uh, privileges. With privileged identity management, you no longer have to have those roles assigned you full time. And you 
elevate to those roles when needed. So it's very customizable. You can have it um, where you request that role for a certain amount of time and there's approval processes and everything that you can go through to elevate to those. Uh, it also logs all that, which is critical for certain uh, security frameworks. And it reduces like that attack surface like we were talking about before, because you're not always a global admin. You're not always a security admin or I mean, there's tons of roles, but not having those or having those expire after a short period of time actually enhances your security. Uh, you can kind of get rid of the old model where you had, you know, 10 different accounts. If you wanted to be a domain admin or a tier zero, you can be JSON regular user. And then later on, you're like, well, you know what? I need to do some work in Intune. I need to do some configuration policies where well, you can elevate to the Intune administrator role for three hours while you do your work. After three hours, that role is removed and you don't have that exposure to having those roles all the time. I'm really seeing a trend here of reducing the amount of permissions, reducing the amount of um, attack surface, for lack of a better term, in a very a variety of capacities with user and identity um, access management, um, and it may not always be obvious, right? Um, but what what business benefits? Because you know, as a technician, I think this is really cool stuff, and I'd want to implement it for a variety of reasons from the technical aspect. But let's talk about how that relates to the business. And I think you alluded to, but let's make it overly obvious for people. Um, what business benefits are gained? from having a really solid, robust identity and access management process, infrastructure, design, plan, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, I'm sure everyone's aware that being able to protect your organization's data from a breach is top of mind, right? We want to not have our name in the news. We don't want to have to send out notifications to all the customer data that's been leaked or healthcare information or financial information that was uh, potentially disclosed in some kind of uh, some kind of attack, right? So from a business perspective, I would think that that would be the first one. And the second one is when a business invests in a, a full-time employee, a contractor, a uh, external party, a business partner, right? They want those users to be able to get to uh, being productive as soon as possible. So having a robust identity and access management system is going to uh, benefit from having automation. It's going to benefit from having uh, dynamic groups that automatically provision those single sign-on apps when your identity is created. Right, you can get to work faster. You can start to access that data. You don't have to wait, submit a ticket, and say, "Oh, I need a, I need to access the Salesforce. I, I do need to get into DocuSign." Those are all built into the Azure Marketplace, right? We can tie those to groups or create even create entitlements that has a collection of applications or resources that, uh, in some cases, they can request access. And IT doesn't even have to be a part of it. We can assign that role to a business owner that can approve access for 
people within the applications or data sets that they are data owners of. Yeah, that's a really good point. So the it not only helps, I'm going to add to your point, of adding people to make them productive very quickly, um, but the adoption of technology and permissing new technology also becomes easier, right? So you invest thousands, millions, whatever dollars into a tool, and getting that tool to be enabled online with the right level of permissions is far, far easier, and it's a greater, it's a less time to, to more value realization for the business, if I said that correctly. Um, got a few minutes here left in the our show, but uh, let's talk about some a couple of the positive impacts that you mentioned already that I really want to hit home. The reduction of permission creep, and I that term is relative. It makes total sense, and we'll use your your person that was in finance, moved to marketing. Getting rid of the finance permissions is really really important to reducing that attack surface, right? And you you refer to that as permission creep, so. Um, what, what's another benefit that you have of having a good infrastructure, uh, identity and access management in place, right? You went through a couple, you got any others? One more I'd like to add is, well, two actually. First one is that Azure has a phenomenal logging and auditing component that's built in. Yep. If something happens, if you have a breach, we need to know who yep. did what, and when, so having that logging capability built in, I, I think it is critical. And the second one is, if you're not an organization that's already taking advantage of dynamic groups, how do you go to the business and do those reviews, right? So if you don't have dynamic groups and you move from finance to marketing, yeah. What do you do? So Azure does have a, a pretty nifty one called access reviews, right? And we can create those those uh, those groupings that that package and assign that either to the the owner of that data, the owner of that line of business, or uh, even the end users themselves, and send out scheduled reviews of those where they have to attest to, yes, I still need that, and if they need that, then fine, you're okay until the next review. Or if you don't respond, you're out. Or if your uh, manager or business owner goes through that list and says, oh, well, these people aren't even here anymore. Or no, this person shouldn't have access to that. They can kick them out right away. Great point. So I think we're about ready to wrap it up here. One of the, like the over, I guess, the theme that we're going through is planning to have the right access for the right people in the roles that you need in your organization is really the the over gist of it, I guess. Um, but this is all part of a really good cybersecurity program. Would you agree? And it's really a component of the zero trust framework as well. That's a good point. We actually have a zero trust demo um presentation that we did using microsoft architecture not too long ago found on our youtube channel or you can find it on our website at model-technology.com uh, if you like our content we also have a robust cybersecurity platform to help you manage these we did talk very specifically about microsoft identity access management today 
but a really robust cybersecurity platform and program. It covers more than just the Microsoft infrastructure. It has business policy, which a big takeaway from today also, Mike, is that a lot of this starts in the business, right? The, uh, security, I really see that moving into almost, uh, when you think of business and business risk, whether that lives at the uh, in the finance at the chief financial officer level, if it's in legal, right? They, they have risk um, evaluations for fire or insurance for buildings or all those different things. Cybersecurity, I see moving into almost that enterprise risk management, right? So it's not just a tech thing. This is a, a, a business function and technology really is a good driver for business and cybersecurity is really wrapping that around not just the technology but the business process overall and it really lives with within the business using a good cybersecurity program uh, can do things like enable a lot of these business functionality roles surface them to the top prioritize them for you which leads to things like you know what we talked about today a an automated environment of sorts it also can lead to a reduction of cybersecurity insurance as an example over time and so if you're looking for a tool or don't even know that you're looking for a tool i would check out our website model-technology.com